Mise en abîme is a phrase with its origins in heraldry. It comes from when a coat of arms has another little coat of arms drawn in the centre with exactly the same design as the big one. From this, mise en abîme became any example of the technique of placing a copy of an image within the image itself so that it gives the suggestion of an infinitely recurring sequence. For example, in 1320, the early Renaissance painter Giotto painted his Stefaneschi triptych for one of the altarpieces of St. Peter's Basilica. In the central panel of the triptych, there is a painting of one of the cardinals offering up a little version of the triptych to St. Peter, on which there is a tiny image of one of the cardinals offering up a little version of the triptych to St. Peter. This is art being offered to the divine, and because of Mizan Abim, it is being offered over and over and over again. Mizan Abim pops up a lot in advertising. Uh, the packaging for the Laughing Cow Cheese Spread features a cow wearing earrings of cheese spread triangles, on which feature an image of a laughing cow wearing earrings of cheese spread triangles, on which there features an image of a laughing cow wearing earrings of cheese spread triangles. You get the idea. Do you know what Mise on a Beam literally translates as? Placed in an abyss. In this case, an abyss of laughing cows with earrings made of soft cheese from which there is no end, no beginning, just an infinite corridor of laughing cows. You know, we might ask ourselves, what is so goddamn funny? What possible joke could have triggered this infinite fractal of cow laughter? But the answer, actually, is horrifyingly simple. The cow is laughing at the concept of a cow laughing. The setup is the punchline, is the setup. Mise on a beam, placed in an abyss. Despite being nightmarish, it makes sense why Mise on a beam crops up so often in advertising. Because Mise on a beam is essentially art that references itself. It is art about the consumption of art, kind of functioning as an instruction manual for its own use. Now, the meaning of Mise en Abime has continued to develop over time. French author and critic André Guide appropriated the term to mean any artwork that contains a secondary, smaller artwork inside it, particularly if the little artwork somehow replicates the themes of the bigger one. Hello, hello, and babushka ya ya. Welcome to episode 1007 of the Babushka Doll podcast. This week on the Babushka Doll podcast, we're asking, is the smallest doll in your babushka doll collection really the smallest doll could it be possible that there is an even smaller cuter doll that we are yet to see 
This question sent in by Neil Patrick Harris, lover 55. Well, thanks, Neil Patrick Harris, lover 55, but I will say it is a little bit like you put your hand in my brain and wrenched out my nightmares right there. The possibility that I might have never seen my smallest babushka doll makes me want to vomit, quite frankly. Joe, it would be like having an extra child hidden in a cupboard in my house and never knowing about it. I think I can say with absolute 100% certainty that, uh... Hang on a second. Let me, um, I'm just going to quickly unstack Big Bertha here. I just caught her eye on the mantelpiece there. And uh, I just want to, um, okay, yeah, so, you know, there's five, six, seven. And that has always been the smallest right there. Smallest babushka doll always has been. Also, uh, in addition to all of that, Miz on a Beam is also the title of an upcoming poetry chapbook by author Luke Kennard. Um, full confession, I didn't actually know the phrase Miz on a Beam until I read it on the front of Luke's book last week. But now that I've Googled it, um, I get to make a podcast episode about it as if I'd known the phrase all along. And um, you guys are just going to have to live with that. I'm such a huge admirer of Luke's work. He's one of my absolute favourite living poets. So I'm thrilled to be able to share some of these new poems with you guys. Like the title suggests, um, this is a book that includes other artworks within it in some way. Over the course of the collection, you get this feeling of artworks within artworks within artworks. It's a bit like each new poem is a film that was playing on the TV in the background of the previous poem. Does that make sense? Anyway, you'll you'll get a little feel for that through some of the poems that you're about to hear. But um, full of full effect, I think you've got to read the book. Um, the pamphlet is it's not out yet. Uh, it's available later this year from Tungsten Press. Okay, um, that's enough talking from me. I think. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, here's Luke. If somebody is paying you unwanted attention, it is difficult to know what to do. I am so sorry this is happening to you. In the grey rock method, someone hands you a shiny piece of glass, and you hand them a grey rock. Hey pretty, what are you doing? They might text you, and you would reply, I am unloading the washing machine and hanging socks over the radiator to dry. And they would reply, Cool. Later, they might message you, How's it going? Beautiful. And you would reply, 
I somehow have to fit in doing my tax return in between marking these assignments and my oldest has a tummy ache. And they would reply, Oh, okay, that's good. And then at 2am, they would text you, Are you in bed, darling? And you would reply, No, I am waiting for the duvet cover to dry, because although it has been hanging over the banisters all day, it is still wet at the corners, so I cannot put it back on the duvet. I am not in bed. I am literally standing next to the duvet cover hanging over the banisters, waiting for the damp corners to dry, because I have learned that even if a duvet cover is only very partially damp, this is still sufficient to cause significant discomfort. And they would text back, Okay. Within two weeks, they will leave you alone, buried under all the grey rocks. When I first heard about the grey rock method, I thought that is just like poetry. But now that I am sitting down to write it up, I am struck by the eerie similarities between the grey rock method and life itself. Between the grey rock method and how, without the fiercest attention, we start to behave in a long-term relationship. Hey beautiful, I got you this grey rock. Thanks beautiful, here is a grey rock for you also. I painted it for you. I painted it grey. With my grey rock I honour you. All of my grey rocks I give unto you. In grey rocks and grey rocks. With grey rocks and grey rocks and grey rocks. Until we are parted by grey rocks. I'm in an old-fashioned train compartment with a couple clearly dressed for a funeral. They are looking out of the window at the fields and occasionally one of them turns to look at the other but then turns back to the window before the other looks back at them. And they keep turning like this, like wooden toys with opposing magnets in their heads. I have a cup of tea and a saucer but nowhere to goddamn put it. Sitting opposite me is a younger woman dressed in black and she's looking at me with such concern and sadness. It's the way someone looks at a burned out building which once held sentimental value for them. The hotel we got married in, the secondhand bookshop we made out in, the church that excommunicated us. I know you, I say. Where do I know you from? I can feel myself beginning to pass out. And it's probably the head injury, which I forgot to mention earlier because of the head injury. It feels exactly the same as when you realise you've made someone cry and you feel like saying cut, you feel like a do-over, but then you're unconscious. When I open my eyes, she's gone. And I've dropped the teacup and saucer, and people are looking at me and at the tea stain on the floor, and I leave the compartment. And I'm saying, where is she? Where is who? The woman sitting opposite me, where is she? And I go back into the compartment and the couple going to the funeral say, there wasn't anyone sitting opposite you. It's probably the head injury. And I say, no, no, there was definitely someone. I saw her, I talked to her. She was definitely there. I search the restaurant. I search the storage carriage full of ducks. I search the vestibules and a compartment containing only a useless dead man. We're coming to a halt, but it's not a station. 
body swap movie in which absolutely everyone swaps bodies. Oh, you're a flautist? Well, now you're a pilot. Land, 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 land the fucking plane. You were replying raspberry coolie to the edges of a big square white plate. Now, you are trying to take out somebody's appendix. You were riding a horse. Now you are undergoing an appendectomy performed by a sous chef. You had acute appendicitis. Now you are being thrown from a horse because horses always know. You were married to me. Well, now you are married to yourself. But the film isn't really about heavy-handed reversals of fortune and spends most of its 106 minutes on people swapping from one fairly similar situation to another. You were hungover, now you're hungover and your leg is shaking. Initially seized by a desire to go find the self they just swapped out of, but then gradually coming to the realization that it's probably a bad idea. Best to leave them. Yours were the only eyes I could look into very long. Look away now. You were trying to keep your balance on a crowded train, now you are trying to sell the option on your body swap screenplay. You have to be careful, they told me, because there are two piano showrooms in this town and one of them is very dangerous. I blew away the catkins which had collected in the dent of my fedora and told them I could tell the difference between one piano showroom and another. What did they take me for? I had to memorize a sad piano line to play to my contact. I got a message. Come back to me. I hit a bar and hummed the code and drank. On my way to the next, I noticed a book launch about to start in a shop off an alley strung with orange lanterns. The door creaked and the awful wine was free. The man read from his novel, he was wearing sunglasses. I got a message. Come back to me. Come back to me soon. I met my son outside the cinema. We walked and within minutes he was humming the same tune. I told him to forget it. I told him may it never come to this for you. I bought him a ribeye steak and half a Coke. I ate a bowl of olives. I got a message. Come back. Please come back now. I remembered writing the messages and setting them to be delivered today. I gave my change to a man in a blue sleeping bag who said, God bless you, and I saw my son to the train. The trees looked like lino cuts of trees. I muttered, if you could show any weakness whatsoever, I'd be the happiest man alive. At the allotted time in Pirandello's or Melchizedek's, I didn't check. I cracked my knuckles over a Bosendorfer, and the proprietor told me I might find this one more to my taste, his hand guiding my elbow like a cue. He led me to a back room where you stood humming the code into a ribbon microphone. 
I tried to make for the door, felt something pressed against the small of my back. I got a message. Thanks again to Luke. These poems and the rest of Luke's book will be forthcoming from Tungsten Press later in the year. Also, um, buy Luke's entire back catalogue, won't you? If you'd like to support Imaginary Advice, even for a short time, even a couple of months, that's still amazing, uh, you can do so by going to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash ross g sutherland finally um if you've listened to the last episode of imaginary advice you'll know that i have also been producing a separate mini series for the last two months called mark can't rap well that series finally wrapped this week wrapped w-r-a-p-p-e-d not r-a well, I, actually, I guess both work. Um, so, yeah, that series finally wrapped this week. There's eight episodes in the season following writer Mark Grist as he learns the writing techniques to underpin rap music, talking with amazing British MCs whilst simultaneously working on his own craft. I think Mark really bared his soul on his project. He was fearless, and as a result, the final few episodes go to some really interesting places. Um... I'm really proud of the guy. If you haven't heard it yet, it's all up there in all the usual places. Uh, That's Mark Can't Rap. Okay. I'll be back soon with more imaginary advice. Thanks for listening.